Yo. H, you sound loud and clear. That's a good sign. All right, man. All right, so let's get into the situation with the Lakers and Magic Johnson. Obviously, Magic stepped down. The rumors are that they wanted him out. He and Jeannie couldn't agree on the direction in terms of he wanted to fire Luke Walton and he wanted to fire Rob Palenka. Magic's gone. Rob Palenka's still there. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, it was like when it first happened, I was kind of like shocked, man. I was like, uh, at first, the way how Magic did it, you start thinking that, well, dag, maybe, maybe his health is bad or, you know, you start thinking a whole bunch of stuff. But after like sitting down and like, Listening to his um his press conference again, it sounded like that um Genie, you know, chose Kobe over him, man. And like I said, I make no excuses for the way he went out because the way he went out, I thought it was weak. I thought it was wrong. Even if, even if Kobe and Rob Palenka undercut him power wise. They were meeting behind his back with Jeannie. Even if something like that were going on, Magic could have just met that head on and kept it 100 and said what he had to say. You and I were talking before we came on, and you made a really good point. You know how this goes. At some point, Magic's going to sit down and do an interview, and all of it's going to come out. Yeah, because right now everybody's like, Magic is dumb, and Magic never came to the – you know, he never came to no meetings. He, the way that they put it out there is like Magic didn't even come to work. <laughs> the, the impression I got was that Magic clocked in and he go high somewhere. <laughs> like, like he was an hourly employee, clocked in and hid somewhere in the locker room. And, um, so here's the thing, though. Mo- moving forward, when I'm looking at the Lakers, obviously the news today is – Luke Walton and the Lakers, they say, mutually agreed to part ways. It's a nice way of saying he's fired. Mm-hmm. Not, not shocking. So here's the thing. Jeannie didn't disagree with Magic on firing Luke if Luke's fired. What she disagreed with was the situation with Rob Palenka. Um, she wasn't going to have Rob Palenka fired because Rob Palenka is Kobe's guy. And what people don't know is... You can tell me how Magic and Jeannie grew up together. You can tell me how they're like brother and sister. Her favorite Laker all time is Kobe Bryant. And Rob Palenka is Kobe's dude. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, because even when you knew Kobe was on on um, on his downside, she still signed him to a max contract. That right, they grew up together, her and Magic. They're tight, but Kobe, that's her favorite Laker. You matter of fact, when you think about all the crazy Laker fans out there that are bigger Kobe fans than they are Laker fans, Jeannie Bryant, you won't find a bigger, you won't find a bigger fan of Kobe Bryant than Jeannie Buss. She's that big a fan of his. She idolizes Kobe. Kobe's her dude. Magic and her are close. Kobe's closer, and more importantly. Kobe has her ear. She listens to Kobe. She respects Kobe's opinion. They're just closer. I think Magic was hurt. I think that's why he did that on-the-spot uh, press conference, because he was emotional. You could tell. It's it, it starting to make more sense why he was sitting up there crying and, and being emotional, talking about how he didn't want to let her down, and he wanted them. It was important that they stayed tight, like brother and sister, which means that They had such a big falling out. She did something. It was enough to hurt him to the point where he would rather step down and walk away. Because what Magic didn't know, okay, her and her, Magic and his father was tight. So he assumed that, he assumed that, hey, you know, Jeannie going to back me. But once he found out that, she wasn't backing him. 
I think that's why he just did. I think that's why he did what I think that's why he did what he did. Because even though he was sitting there saying like, yeah, you know, but you could tell by the way he was talking, he was really hurt. He, he was hurt. And, and even when he stopped crying and he started talking about how I'm good with who I am and I'm happy and he kind of laughed a little bit, that's like laughing behind tears. Like the guy was definitely hurt. And like I said, I don't make any excuses. I still don't like the way he did that. But but again, I, I'm not in that office. I don't know what's going on. When he starts talking about backstabbing, you know he's talking about Rob Palenka. So you know that for Magic, this wasn't just business. It was personal. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the fallout. Rob Palenka has more power. Luke Walton got fired. And the Lakers are in flux. They're heading into free agency. And they're behind the eight ball. If you're a free agent and you're or you're the agent of a free agent, are you looking at your client and honestly saying, Yeah, you want to sign on to be part of that? Because if you are if you are a player looking to sign the organization, if they if you know, if you look and you're like, damn. They didn't snake magic like that. So if they snake magic, what are they going to do with me? Exactly. And so, and you know what? So that, that brings me to this. If you're LeBron and magic was your guy, he was like your connection, your dude, and he's out. I know LeBron is sitting there thinking, if we come up in free agency, Am I really going to waste my last couple of years here not being able to contend for a title? I think at some point it wouldn't shock me if LeBron and the Lakers decided to part ways. Yeah. Because he knows. I think that's a more likely scenario than Jeannie being able to get Kawhi Leonard. Because uh, LeBron wants to be the best player of his era. And he, and I mean, the way things is looking, Kevin Durant is going to have the same amount of titles as him. And then, you know, not for nothing, it looked like Kevin Durant, wherever he goes, is going to be kind of like in a better situation than LeBron. I don't think it's going to be sitting well with him. Like, oh man, uh, I got... That, you know, I know how everything, the narrative changes. He don't want to be like, well, he don't want to be like, well, people start saying, well, Kevin Durant is better than um than him. Than him. No, no question. Look, I'm sure LeBron's plan ultimately is to finish his career up with at least another title, with at least another Finals MVP. But if the Lakers can't put comparable talent around him, if they can't land a second all-star slash superstar talent, that's not going to happen. And if and from the looks of things, if Kevin Durant's not going there, if Kawhi's not going there, if you can't get Kyrie, Clay Thompson definitely is not going there. Those are Those are the guys at the top of that list. I like Chris Middleton, but if Chris Middleton is who you end up with, you're not contending for a title. I I I put it out there because if you can't get a top flight free agent, there's no point in having LeBron James on your roster if you're the Lakers. It, it doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit him. If if you can't if you can't land comparable talent then maybe the smart path forward is the path you were on before he got there, which was you were developing your young talent. Yeah. And then another thing that, you know, is if you know that your boss is listening to Kobe Bryant, I don't know if you, how can I say this? I don't think that Kobe is going to have your your best interests uh, moving forward. 
Oh, no question. Look. Let's go all the way 100. Kobe's kind of enjoying this. <laughs> He's kind of enjoying this. For, for, the, for the better part of his career, LeBron's been considered a better player than Kobe. A better player. And he's struggling now. And while he's struggling, Kobe doesn't play anymore. And somehow, Kobe's stature as a player has risen. Yeah. So, yeah, Kobe's enjoying this. He want, he'll never say it. Of course, publicly, he'll be like, you know, it's all about bringing the Lakers back to prominence and, and all the right things. But somewhere in a private room amongst friends, he's enjoying this. I mean, I'm just keeping it 100. You know he is. Because Kobe believes that he's better than LeBron. And I get that. And there's a lot of people out there that believe he is. So ultimately, here's the thing. The Lakers have to strike. They have to strike gold in free agency or they're in trouble. Or here's the thing. I'll throw one more thing out there because we didn't go over this. If the Lakers are able to land, let's say, in the draft lottery, they're the they get the third pick at least or better. They 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 have a bargaining chip to make a move with that pick along with a couple of their assets. I don't think it's enough to land them Anthony Davis and FYI, we've already talked it, over this. I don't think the Pelicans are dealing with the Lakers no matter what. Mm-hmm. So they can get off get off to that Anthony Davis kick. But what I do believe is you have enough assets if you add a top five pick. Rather than try to do the impossible, do something that's realistic that will actually benefit your team. I would pursue a Bradley Bill deal. I would pursue something like that. If you could add Bradley Bill or someone like Bradley Bill, and let's say, let's say Bradley Bill and Chris Middleton to LeBron, what's the excuse for not making the playoffs? True. A- actually, that though that threesome. That's more than making the playoffs if you put comparable role players around them. They should be a legit contender. I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but they should be relevant to where they're, they're like a third or second seed or something like that with that kind of talent. Ultimately, this is going to come down to what do their fellow GMs, what do other agents view the Lakers front office? Whether they, if they think they're competent or incompetent or they're fractured, they're not going to be able to make any deals. They're not going to get any big name free agents. I, I really, I, my gut feeling is LeBron James won't be a Laker through next season. Yeah. And you know what? To be uh, to be honest with you, I think that might be the best thing for the Lakers and for because- LeBron. Mm-hmm. Because to to get help for LeBron, you basically got to trade your whole young assets. And how many years LeBron got got left? Two or maybe three. two at a high level. And then after that, right. you're back at you're back at square one. Right, because what LeBron wants is he's want he wants proven veteran players. So when he leaves, the Lakers are going to be stuck with an older group of players, and they're not going to be very good overall as a team because you're going to sacrifice your young assets. I have no problem with that. If you told me ahead of time, we had to get rid of the young guys, we brought a couple of older guys in, but we were able to win a title and get to another finals, that kind of gamble, knowing Genie Bus, knowing Laker Nation, they would take that. I, I'm a Laker fan. I might take that too. But what if you make those same moves and you still end up not winning anything? Mm-hmm. You know what? It'd be, I, I, I just, not to cut you off, it would be kind of different if LeBron was 28, 29, even 31. Exactly. But Next season, he's going to be 35. In hindsight, they should have never pursued him in the first place, man. In hindsight, I was one of the people that told you the Lakers aren't going to go up. They're not going to get LeBron. I know Magic wanted LeBron, 
But I said they wouldn't get him because LeBron was 34 going into year 16. And what he didn't have time to do, he didn't have time to wait for guys that were 22 and under to develop. And he shocked me, Matt. Look, they say that he was going to the Lakers anyway. I believe that might be halfway true. But if Magic wasn't part of the organization, I don't think he becomes a Laker. He goes mm-hmm. to the Lakers, and he re- knows already ahead of time that Ingram, Kuzma, Lonzo are still developing. And he's good with that when they put together Rondo and Michael Beasley and JaVale McGee and Lance and those other veteran guys thinking that'll be enough. Uh, uh, it started off bad real fast. I think that Magic, I think Magic promised him Paul George, and Paul George fucked everything up. I can't say you're wrong on that point. Um, I, I think I think LeBron thought if he went to the Lakers, I think the plan was once they saw him sign that somebody else was going to come along, mm-hmm. and that never happened. But moving forward. The playoffs start Saturday, and that's what I'm mostly excited about. Finally, we get to the best time of the year for the NBA. Eastern Conference, first round, the 1-8 matchup, Toronto versus Detroit. What are your thoughts? I already know who you have winning the series, but what are your thoughts? (laughs) Toronto in two. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, just all right. Real, realistically, Tor- Toronto, they just are all all around better team than than Detroit. I say sweet for four straight. I, the only way that this isn't a sweep is if for some reason Toronto just decides to show mercy for Detroit fans. This is a mismatch across the board. Yes, Blake Griffin was pretty good. He's had a pretty good season. Andre Drummond led the league in rebounding again in double-doubles. He's a good big man, but he's not a great big man. Reggie Jackson's a streaky guard. They just don't have the talent or the firepower to make this a series. Are they capable of winning a game? Yes. I wouldn't bet money on it because I like money. I, I got this as a sweep. If it's not a sweep, I would be shocked. I just think Toronto, with their length, with their defense, with their ability to score, this just isn't going to be a good series. So we'll move off of that. The other matchup, the two seed. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the two seed. That was the Raptors. We already did. We we messed up. I said the Raptors. My bad. Let me retry. Oh, you mean the, the, the Milwaukee. Well, you know what? That's even worse. Milwaukee <laughs> and two. You're right. That it's just not going to be a good series. This is going to be a sweep. We'll move off of that. Toronto, they're going to match up. They're not. They're matching up. Who, who does Toronto play in the first round? I think Toronto plays. Is it? Who's the seventh seed in the East? I'm thrown off. It was on the top of my head. I know the Nets is. The Nets is six seed. Brooklyn played um, the Sixers. I know. Brooklyn played the Sixers. Um, it escapes me who the seventh seed in the East is. That's how bad the East is. Um, what team? Isn't that weird? Orlando. 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 And that's bad because I just saw Orlando play the other night. So. The Raptors play the Magic. I got obviously the I got the Raptors win winning. I think they're going to win it, maybe five games, maybe yeah. four. But either way, too much talent. W- when you look at Orlando play, they've got Vucevic, they've got Terrence Ross coming off the bench, they've got Fournier. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. Um, Toronto's just too good a team. I, and, I, and I think ultimately, look, if you're a Magic fan, you're just happy that you're back in the playoffs again. Don't, But don't relax because you won't be there but four games. 
in the in the matchup that I was thinking about the most, it was the Sixers versus the Nets. The Sixers, the three seed versus the Brooklyn Nets, the six seed. Sure, on paper, it looks like the Sixers should sweep the Nets, but you know and I know Joel Embiid is already out for Game One, and that's a problem. And uh, I. I... I tell you, I'm I'm gonna pick I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Sixers. In six, but I think if it's a if it's a game seven, I think it's anybody's. I think it's anybody's game. I think if the Sixers if the Sixers beat the Brooklyn Nets, they better take them out of six. They better not take it to a game seven. So for me, it's simple. Joel Embiid missing one game, I got you. But let's say he comes back for game two and he's like 75%. Not 100%, but 75%. I think the Sixers have problems. If he's anything but 100%, not only will this be a series, they might be in trouble. I know the Nets are young. I know they're just getting into the playoffs. But the truth of the matter is, the Sixers are young. If you look at if you look at their two best players, Simmons and Embiid, and, and but Embiid, nobody doubts Embiid, Embiid might be the best player in the conference, but he can't stay healthy, and that's a problem. And the thing is, he can't stay healthy, and Ben Simmons, you can't really count on. So basically, if you no. if you want to take a if you want to take a last shot, you're basically looking at maybe Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris. And being that's who you're looking at. Look, actually, actually if you're gonna take a lot of shots, you're looking at them. Ben Simmons it might finish every game of that series, however, however long the series lasts, he probably will fill out the stat sheet. He'll average around 16 points a game, eight rebounds, eight assists, and that always looks good in the box score. But if you watch the Sixers play. When it's crunch time, when it's money time, and it's tight, he's not looking to shoot. He becomes a non-factor. And in playoff basketball, that's that stands out even more because in playoff basketball, the floor shrinks. It becomes about half-court execution. I just don't know what Ben Simmons is going to be able to do unless he unless he gets in the post and he can dominate in the post. You're talking about them playing without Embiid, which is was which is their biggest advantage over the Nets. Because flip it around, the Nets have D'Angelo Russell, they've got Dimwitty, they've got Karis Levert, they've got Joe Harris, they've got some firepower, and more importantly, I think they have a psychological advantage because the Nets are playing with house money. Nobody is expect. They've already won by just getting into the playoffs. Nobody expects anything else from them. I'm not saying the Nets are going to beat the Sixers. What I am saying is everybody talking about the Sixers are going to just walk through them. I don't see that. What do you think about the 4-5 matchup between the Pacers and the Celtics? Uh, the 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 Pacers play tough, but I just don't. I I just don't think that they got the. I just don't think they got the offense to deal with Boston. This is an interesting matchup because these are two teams that are totally different and totally opposite. The Pacers lost their best player, and he's been out for most of the season. And because everybody on that team knows their role and stays in their lane and that team has an identity, they were still able to play well and get into the playoffs. And not just barely make it, but they're going into the playoffs a fifth seed. That's impressive. On the flip side, the Celtics have all the depth, all the talent in the world, but nobody knows their role. Nobody stays in their lane. And even throughout the, the entire regular season, they don't have an offensive identity. 
on paper, Boston should beat the. They should sweep them. They should sweep Indiana. Mm-hmm. And yet, because it doesn't play out that way, because the Pacers do play tenacious defense, because they do control the boards, and because I think Boston still doesn't have an identity. I don't think Boston sweeps this series. I think Boston will win this series in five, six games. I'll say this. If Indiana got to win one of these, got win one of these first two games. I feel you. Um, Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not picking against the Celtics. But I am saying, when you look at this Pacer, this depleted Pacer roster, they are depleted because their best players out. They've had some injuries, and a couple of guys they brought in for free agency haven't panned out. Maybe the most disappointing free agent signing in all the NBA in terms of results is Tyreek Evans. I thought Tyreek Evans, if you paired him with Victor Oladipo coming off the bench, that would have given them a nice one-two punch. Two guys that can beat you off the bounce and can raise up and shoot from three. And Tyreek Evans, I've watched a lot of Pacer games. I've seen them. And Tyreek Evans, if it's possible, looks older and moves slower than Luel Dang. Mm-hmm. It just, seemed like he it just seemed like when the bright lights is on him, it's like he I don't know. It's like he He's just like he got that Jeff Green, um, Harrison Bond syndrome. Like you know, no, I'm with whenever you. Whenever they, whenever they need him, you know, he just ain't there. You know, I, I'm 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 with you. If Tyreek Evans were playing on the Grizzlies again this year, he'd probably be averaging close to twenty points a game, putting up numbers. You put him somewhere where there's playoff expectations, where you're trying to compete for a championship, and he becomes just a guy. It was just disappointing. And I wanted I wanted to not believe he was like that, and I think he is like that. He's just not that guy. Um, I do Another, expect this to – no, go ahead. Not to, not to cut you off, and I just thought about this. Another, another plus maybe for Boston is that Marcus Smart got hurt. So that's, that's maybe that it, it. I mean, basically, maybe it's like um, Kyrie might handle the ball more and get more shots. I know what you're saying. Maybe the, with the rotation being cut down, then the ego they can kind of like come together, and it's not an ego thing. You know what? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big subtraction, but they can might it might galvanize them. It might help Boston. Look, Boston's a talented team. Now, I'm not like some of these guys in the media where they're talking about they got star players all over them. You know, they don't have star players. Kyrie is a star. Al Horford is a very good star player. He's a perennial all-star, but he's not a superstar. And Tatum mm-hmm. and, and, and Brown are not stars. Matter of fact, if you watch T- Jason Tatum throughout this season, he didn't progress. I, I would actually make the argument he took a step backwards. I, I just would. And I'm not saying Jason Tatum won't eventually become a star, but he's not one right now. And he hasn't shown he hasn't shown signs of becoming one. I'll tell you one thing, man. If he had if he had the mentality like um Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, I think he was <laughs> I think he would he would he would take that step up, man, because Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown don't have no problems taking shots. Or, or Terry Rozier. They don't lack for confidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jason Tatum's problem is he defers too often. He doesn't – you can tell that he has alpha talent. He doesn't have an alpha mentality. But that's the Eastern Conference. If we swing over to the Western Conference, let's go to the 1-8. That's the Golden State Warriors. Two-time defending champions going for that three-peat. The Warriors, they're going to be matching up against the Clippers. What are your thoughts on that series? Uh, I'll say Golden State a win in five. Five. Maybe they, maybe they sweep them. 
But I'll say this. I think they'll – it'll be five hard games. I don't know if they'll all five will be hard games, but I, I'm with you on this. If it's a five-game series, three of those games are going to be tight. I mean, airtight. And if even if it's a sweep, a sweep is a sweep. I got you. But if three of those four games are one-possession games or something like that, it wouldn't shock me. The Clippers have no star power at all, but they've got guys at all positions that can score the basketball. Gallinari will get you 20 a night, can put it on the deck, can shoot the three, and then they've got the ultimate bucket getter coming off the bench, Lou Williams. And Lou Williams will light someone up. Mm-hmm. Then they've got Montrez Hell. Montrez Hell has a good shot for six. It's funny, he's competing against his boy for six men of the year, but Montrez Hell is an energizer bunny that gets on the boards, finishes in the paint. I guess the, the thing that makes the Clippers hard to defend you can't really like lock in on any one guy, and that makes them interesting. I'm not saying the Clippers can beat the Warriors. No, the Warriors are going to win this series. It really is a matter of are they going to sweep them clean, or is it going to go? I think it goes. It goes five games. I think the Clippers are going to get a game. I just think that Golden State's defense, even in the first round, is going to be exposed at least one or two games, maybe more. To me, I think. Okay. I think, I think coming from the second round to the to the third round and into the finals, that bench will be exposed. It's look. That's why ultimately, when people said who's going to win, I took the field. Moving on to the two seven matchup, Denver Nuggets the two seed versus the San Antonio Spurs. This might be that interesting matchup. You say two seven. Usually, unless there's major injuries, you assume the two is going to destroy the seven. The Denver Nuggets are very talented. I've been I've been beeping that horn all year long, but at the same time, I've also pointed out when your two best players are not leaders. When your very best player is not assertive, he has zero alpha in him, I think that's a problem. When I look at the roster, Paul Millsap's a veteran. That's a good thing. They've got a couple of veterans, but they're a young team at the two seed, and for some reason you get this feeling that San Antonio has a shot to win this series. Your thoughts? I'm thinking that way. It's kind of like a toss-up. To me, it's like, who you got more confidence in? Djokovic or DeRozan? Oh. And that's a tough one. If if I if if I had my choice of I kind of would if I had more confidence to Rosen, I would pick the San Antonio Spurs to beat them. I don't know. It's just so you're saying like Rosen kind of Nuggets in six, six or seven. I think it's going to be a long series too. I favor the Nuggets, but if you're asking me, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna pick the Nuggets. I've I've been beeping their horn. I I don't think they're going to be in the conference finals. But I think if they can't win a first-round series, being the two-seed, the season is a big disappointment. I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. I'm going to roll with them young dudes, and I'm going to hope that Djokovic and Murray assert themselves because if they don't and they lose this series, then it's been a, it's a lost season. But it wouldn't shock me because the way – the thing is the Nuggets got the talent to make it to the conference finals or they can get taken out in the first round. Right, because if you watch them play, they play they play a little reckless. The shot selection kind of gets away from them. And defensively, they're not very consistent defensively. Uh, for a team with all that talent, they seem to have a lot of wings that can defend, but they're not a very good defensive team. You have to watch out because what DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge can do when they're both playing their game, both basically, they're kind of old school because they make a living in the mid-range. They don't shoot the three. Both of them, mm-hmm. both of them kill you from the elbow in. And Derek White 
the 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 point guard they have, that guy's nice. He he I'm I'm just saying I'm not making a case that the Spurs are gonna win. I'm just making a case that anybody that thinks it's gonna be an easy series for the Nuggets, I just disagree. Let's move on to the three six match. Maybe this is more interesting. Versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who you got? Damn. The thing is, the only person I really got confidence is in is Damian Lillard. But Damian Lillard played with the team is I don't really have no confidence in. And what if I told you that Dame will be the best player? It's a good chance Damian Lillard will be the best player in this series. The problem is the next three best players in the series are all on Oklahoma City. Yeah. I, I think this comes down to for Portland to win. Russell Westbrook would have to be almost historically bad. And, and he's capable, yeah. of, he's capable of, of just chucking up shots and, and turnovers. But And I don't think he's going to be that. I think Russ is, is on a mission to, to shut some people up. I, I'm not saying... You think he'll... You think he'll... You think he'll will take a step back and let um Paul George um take the reins? I think that's the plan. I also think that I think he'll take a step back on the shot selection too. I don't get me wrong, he's gonna go at Dame, he's gonna try to attack, but I think he's gonna pick and choose his moments. Look, here's the thing if OKC plays smart, if they play their game, they're gonna win this series, plain and simple. But if they get outside of that and they try to play Portland's game, because Portland likes to shoot the three, and they fall into that ha- they fall into that trap, they're gonna lose because they're not a good shooting team. They don't have shooters. Ask me off the top of my head who I got. I'm going to say Oklahoma City just because I don't think Portland has enough. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say Oklahoma City in six. Uh, I, I think this is a seven-game series. Okay. You, you might be right. And I truly am not. And I truly don't, you know, I'm like, in a seven game, going by they, they history, who would I rather have, Damian Lillard or or Paul George? Well, I'm going to take Damian Lillard. Um, actually, if you tell me going by their history, I would take Damian Lillard over Paul George or Russ. I, and I love Russ. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. But I, you're asking me. If I had to pick between the three of them to take it home in a game seven, I'm taking Dame. He he's done more or less his whole career, so I'm gonna take Dame. If it goes seven, then I'm going with the Blazers. But my pick, I'm gonna say is OKC okay six. Yeah, I think they take. I think I think OKC if they're gonna beat them, they had to do it in six games. All right. So moving on to the four or five matchup: Houston Rockets versus the Utah Jazz. Who you got? I got Houston Rockets. I got them in a sweep. Wow. Wow, that's bold. Look. I got them in a, I got them in a sweep. I got the Rockets winning a series. So we're on the same page, but I'm not as far as you are. You really don't think that Utah can make this a, at least a five-game series? They can't get one? Wow. I mean... Looking at, you know what it is. Looking at the Utah Jazz, and it kind of makes me wonder how come the Lakers is is not in the playoffs. And I mean, you mean to tell me that no, you look ahead. at Utah's team? I brought this up. This is an excellent point. Go ahead. You you you're you're actually on a roll, right? When you look at their roster, top to bottom, especially their perimeter players, 
outside of Donovan Mitchell, um, when you went Ricky Rubio, really good, but he's not great. He's never been great. He's kind of and he's kind of inconsistent. And then Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles is rock solid veteran, uh, two guard slash three, but he's nothing special. He doesn't average eighteen or nineteen or twenty a game. Nothing like that. Their their perimeter players. I don't want to. I don't want to say blah, but outside of Donovan Mitchell, they're real regular. They remind me of the old Jazz with Jerry Sloan. They beat you from playing within their system. And then I I just re I I just remembered from from the playoffs from last year when they after they went and did the thing with OKC and. And when they went against Houston, man, it seemed like Houston just punked them out, man. I, 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 I think you. No, nah, you know what? You know, I know you try to like convince me. No, nah. <laughs> Houston, Houston sweep. <laughs> All right, well, I, no, no. Look, we're on the same page. We both have Houston winning a series. You got it in a sweep. I'm gonna say Utah's good for one win. Maybe they'll even shock and get two wins. But I, I look. They're a boring team. They walk the ball up. They don't have a lot of elite talent on the wing, but their strength is they have a nice system, and Donovan Mitchell, he can be dynamic. He can get you 35 or 40 on a given night. But he take take a lot lot of bad shots, man. Look, I'm the first one to be there. He's a gifted player, but but he's, he's got, you know, he's got some rust in him. He does. He got some rust in him. He, he he does take some bad shots, but I think the advantage they have is they've got the combination of Favors and Gobert, and you got to remember what they can do on the board. Mm-hmm. I I know. Look, I'm with you on who's going to win the series because ultimately, when you've got two dominant pick and roll players, which Rockets have, when you've got Harden and Chris Paul, and then you surround them with shooters, and you got two bigs like Capella, and um. Fareed, who can finish at the rim, they're 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 kind of loaded. If the Rockets are healthy, if the Rockets are healthy, it's not going to be a shock when they meet the Warriors in the second round and that series goes seven again. Mm-hmm. All right, so we both pick Utah. We made our pre our, our picks in the first round. Pick second round picks, or I could just ask you out and out: Who do you think is going to win the West? I think if the Warriors get doing if they're gonna get taken out, they're gonna get taken out in the second round. So, okay, so if they, does that mean if they don't lose in the second round that the Warriors are going to win it all? They're going to three-peat? Is that what you're saying? I think the only team that can – I think the only team that can – that can only two teams that can beat them is Houston or – no, 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 no. The only team that can beat them in the East – is Toronto and Boston. Okay. I just I know, you know, I know that they say basketball ain't you know ain't fixing everything, but I kinda think that they're gonna let Giannis Oh, I know where you're going. Cloud it's, that it's his year. He's going to the finals, right? Mm-hmm. I think if they, I, I think if they, if 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 um if Golden State meets Milwaukee, I I, I think um Golden State repeats as a champion. I tell you what, and this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. But if you've watched playoff basketball over the last three or four seasons, they they call the officials call the games completely different. You notice this. They let they allow a lot more physicality, right? Mm-hmm. If Golden State, State plays Milwaukee, they're gonna be in trouble. 
because that means they're going to allow Milwaukee to put their hands on them. I, I think any team that's allowed to put their hands on Golden State, that changes the series automatically. It does. And if you're a team who can happen to turn around offensively and make Steph play defense, don't let him hide. Don't let him go. Like if they play Toronto, don't let Steph get away with guarding Danny Green. Make, make him guard somebody. I think that's the reason why. And not to mention, you're right, the bench, Golden State's bench, not what it was. Their defense to me, even though they played defense very well on the other side of the All-Star break, I'm not, I'm not a believer. I don't see it. Something is not quite right with that team, in my opinion. And I think that's why I took the field. I don't know how it exactly is going to play out. No one does. But if you're asking me, the big picture, Mo, is Golden State going to three-peat? I'm saying no. Hey, H, we got through a whole show. It's the cipher. We did it again. So I'm going to go ahead and put this one up and let the fellas in Man Laws and Third Rail come at us, and we'll see what they do. I went back and listened to the show, and the sound quality between me and H was actually pretty good. It might have wavered a little bit later on in the podcast, but overall, it was pretty solid. And I know as the playoffs go on, in each matchup of each round, we're going to dissect. And I'm hoping to get some of the brothers from Third Rail as well as Man Laws on Facebook to come on, just like H did in future episodes. But I still have a big picture vision of how this NBA season is going to play out. Now, there might be a few out-of-the-blue performances. Some role player is going to step up. Some star that's playing very good is going to play great. They're going to look elite. Maybe somebody who hasn't looked as good as they did last year recaptures that. Maybe Jason Tatum looks like the Jason Tatum from last year's playoff, the guy that we looked at and thought, this guy is going to be a star next year. Something like that always happens. There will be upsets. I'm going to be right on some picks, and I'm going to get surprised on a couple of other picks. But I'm still going to put myself out there. Ultimately, I'm taking the field. I don't think Golden State's going to three-peat. They may very well still come out the Western Conference, but I'm taking the field. If you look at the best teams in basketball that are not named Golden State, the next team on your list, most people would say, would be an Eastern Conference team. It would be Milwaukee, then the Raptors, and probably after that, the Rockets. I think all three of those teams have the components and all the elements to defeat Golden State. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think the matchups, they're strong matchups, especially when you look at Milwaukee and their length and their physicality. Same with the Raptors. They can get into you. When you look at Toronto's starting five, of Cal Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka. They have five guys that can switch out on every situation. And when you look closer at Leonard, Siakam, Green, and Lowry, those are four elite perimeter defenders who not just give you work on the defensive end, they can get buckets. Kyle Lowry averages 14 points a game and nine assists. Kawhi Leonard gives you 26 points and seven rebounds. Kawhi Leonard shoots 37% from three. Siakam shoots 36% from three. And Danny Green averages eight shot attempts per game. And five of those are threes. And he's shooting 45% from three. So the Raptors can get buckets and they have the ability to get stopped. They're also deep. When you start factoring in Marcus Saul, Anubi, they got Jeremy Lin. Fed ran fleet. This team is going to go on a deep playoff run. This team, along with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think will be in the conference finals. I will say this about Boston, though. Boston was the team at the end of last season, we thought coming into this season, would be not only the best team in the East, they were going to be a lock to win the East. 
based off of what they were able to accomplish in last season's playoff. This season, Jekyll and Hyde. But I'm going to give Boston a puncher's chance. Talent and depth-wise, the Celtics can play with anybody. The problem is they're inconsistent because they don't have an identity. And guys don't all stay in their lanes. Roles have not been defined. And at times, there seems to be chemistry issues. Boston, to me, is kind of like the Eastern Conference OKC. OKC could lose in the first round, or they could end up in the conference finals. I feel the same way about the Celtics. Even though I expect them to beat a depleted Indiana team, it won't be easy, but I think they will win that series. What they do in the second round, that's going to be interesting. When you look at a team that has Kyrie Irving, 23 points a game. They've got Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Marcus Morris, and Jalen Brown, and all of them average 13 points a game. The problem with Boston is if they're not hitting perimeter shots, their offense bogs down. They struggle because Boston is one of those teams that they're unable to create offense when they're not making buckets. And what I mean by that is you can struggle from the field. But you can generate offense by being aggressive by being aggressive and taking the ball to the basket. Boston is last in the NBA in points in the restricted area. They're also dead last in the NBA in free throw attempts. Their leading guy in terms of getting to the free throw line, that's Kyrie. And he only gets there four times a game. Jason Tatum is second. He gets there three times a game. This is literally a perimeter team that they are dependent on a mid-range or the deep three. They have to get to the basket. They're going to have to make a concerted effort to attack the rim. If they play the way they've played through the regular season and everything is on the perimeter three and everything is a contested jump shot, the Celtics might lose to the Pacers. And I, I didn't make that pick, but they've got to do better than just being nothing but a jump shooting team. There might be one team in the league that can get away with just shooting nothing but jump shots, but there's only one Warriors. Speaking of the Warriors, why I'm taking the field again. Look at what the Harden-led Rockets can do. Houston gets to the foul line about 25 times a game, and it starts with James Harden. He gets there 11 times per game. So even when he's not shooting well, he's generating offense. When you get to the free throw line that much, that also means you're putting the other team in the penalty, which means if your teammates are aggressive, they get to the foul line. Houston has two bigs that are very good at picking and diving to the basket and finishing at the rim. When you've got Clint Capella and Kenneth Fareed, Capella gives you 16 points, 13 rebounds. Kenneth Fareed gives you 13 points and eight rebounds. Then you factor in the three point shooting. Harden shoots it at 37% a clip. P.J. Tucker, 37%. Chris Paul, 36%. Eric Gordon, 36%. Daniel House, 41%. Gerald Green, 35%. The point is, when you have the ball dominant, more importantly, pick and roll, two pick and roll monsters like Chris Paul and James Harden and those kind of shooters around them, I still think, Houston, even though they're probably going to meet Golden State in the second round, Houston will probably be Golden State's second biggest test. And I'm not sure Golden State's going to pass that test. It's going to be an interesting matchup. When you look at OKC, they're the Boston of the Western Conference. You've got Paul George and Russell Westbrook, two superstar talent players. Paul George, for a while, was playing at an MVP level. He finishes the season 28 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Russ gives you the triple-double. And it's not the Jason Kidd triple-double. It's a monster triple-double. 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. I never doubt Russell Westbrook's effort, his heart, his competitive nature. And when people underrate him, or when people say he's overrated, I completely disagree with that. I'm a big fan, and I'm going to say this again. Russell Westbrook is a legitimate superstar. Is he flawed? Everyone has flaws. Russ's biggest flaws 
Maybe it's his shot selection and late game decision making. But if he can step back a little bit, if he can pick his spots and play a more efficient game, along with Paul George recapturing what he was able to do for most of the season, along with Steven Adams, along with Jeremy Grant and Dennis Schroeder, I like OKC. I'm a big Dame Lillard fan, but I just don't think Portland has enough. I still think the series might go six or seven games, but I'm looking for the Thunder to prevail. And I think the Thunder have an outside shot at making it to the conference finals. I really believe that. A lot of people are sleeping on the Clippers. I'm not telling you the Clippers are going to beat the Golden State Warriors. I'm not here to say that. But what I will tell you is of all the teams that are in the playoffs, when the Clippers aren't shooting well, They're the only team in the playoffs that has three guys on their roster that gets to the foul line five times or more times a game. Montrez Harrell gets there five times a game. Lou Williams over six times a game. And Danilo Gallinari six times a game. Which means when you're not shooting well, you can still generate offense. That's important in playoff basketball because it's more of a grind. I'm not telling you the Clippers will win. But if you think Golden State's just, just going to walk in and roll over them like I, I know a lot of people do, you're wrong. Golden State will win this series. But there will be a couple of scares. And it's going to be a fun series to watch. Even if you say it's going to be, they're going to sweep them. Look, a sweep is a sweep. I get that. But I think there's going to be some very competitive games in this series. And don't be shocked if the Clippers still won. When you look at the Denver Nuggets, for all their talent, Denver doesn't generate a lot of offense when they're not getting buckets. Nikolai Jokovic, the Joker himself, he only gets to the foul line four times a game. Jamal Murray gets there three times a game. Denver is perimeter dominant. And when I mean perimeter dominant, it's jump shot or bust. They don't do a lot of post-ups. And even when Joker posts up, he's nine times out of ten, he's looking to pass because he's a great passer. 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. He's a complete player offensively, but I don't think he's assertive enough on a consistent basis. He's an alpha talent without an alpha personality. And until he develops that, I think the Nuggets aren't going to get past the first round. I know they're the two seed, and they should beat San Antonio, but I got a funny feeling this is going to be a long series. And don't be surprised if San Antonio pulls off the upset. And then you get the champs. The team that everybody knows is going to three-peat. Who's going to be the team that's got Durant, Thompson, Curry, Green, Cousins? They've got Iguodala, Damian Jones, Sean Livingston coming off the bench. I'm going to tell you this. This Golden State team... They're top heavy, and I know on paper, it's a wrap. But sports aren't played on paper. Get them into the, get them on the court when they're playing with a physical team. Remember this: in the playoffs, the NBA refs they call the game differently. They allow bodies to collide. They let you get into somebody. And as gifted as Durant is, as great a shooter as Steph and Clay are, when you can get into their bodies, they're different players. Golden State should be favored to three-peat. I understand that. And I'm telling you on gut instinct and what I've seen over the course of this series, because I over, over this season, excuse me, I just think they're going to fall short. I know a lot of people said they flipped the switch and now they're going to be serious because they, they, they just going through a haze over the regular season. I disagree with that. I think those habits that they developed over the course of the regular season, that's who they are. And when you look at their bench production, you can't fake that. They have no firepower coming off the bench. I love Iguodala, but he's 35, a step slower, not quite as athletic. I love Sean Livingston, same resume. I just think in a tight game, in a tight series, with their lack of depth, with their inconsistency on defense, I think the defending champions won't be three-peating. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, I know I gave you my overview, and I think the NBA champion, I don't know who the NBA champion will be, 
I'm just telling you who it won't be. Facebook fam, YouTube fam, third rail man laws. Good looking out. Hey, if you guys want to listen to a really good podcast, listen to my guy, Ben's nerd alert. Ben's a really funny guy. Great sense of humor. If you listen to it, you're going to become addicted to it. It's that good a podcast. He puts out that kind of content. Appreciate everybody. Much love. I'm always grateful for all the listeners. It's the Cypher. The NBA playoffs start tomorrow. Let's get it.